Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Christ also suffered once for sins that he might bring us to God. Meaning this, suffering is never meaningless for the Christian. Suffering, in fact, is the means by which God advances his plan for the redemption of many. dreaded the suffering of the cross as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his arrest. He knew it would mean separation from his father and unimaginable physical and emotional pain. Yet he still went through with it because he knew the results it would bring. In today's message, Pastor Ricky is going to challenge us to face suffering with that in mind. When you suffer in the name of Jesus, it will bring life to those who witness it, and it's worth the temporary pain. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 11. As he continues his message, few there are who die so hard. In verse 6, there's references to the prophetic ministry of Moses. He's speaking these things in Egypt, and, and the Lord is doing signs and wonders. What is all this supposed to mean? Well, well, notice this. Their task is to witness, and out of their mouth comes fire, and, and out of their mouth, these things are happening in the heavens. What does it mean? It means this, that as we proclaim the church, as we proclaim the word of God, it is accompanied with the power of God for our protection. It is not just our words, like we're out there in the town square, hey, have you thought about Jesus? No, the word of God goes forth with power. It is unleashed when we speak it. It silences people. It, it brings people from death to life. And some who, who refuse Christ, it confirms them being, being put away from Christ, right? And in this way, we wonder, okay, well, we've got the word of God. That's helpful, but I still feel weak in my witness. Oh, that's where uh, that little detail in verse four about the two olive trees and the two lampstands is so critical. The olive trees, right? The olive trees were often what made the oil for the lamps. And the olive trees are in the Old Testament often a, a symbol of the spirit of God. So what is it saying? It's saying this, that the church will blaze out the hope of the gospel, but that, that blazing out of the gospel is gonna be lit, in a sense, by the power of the Spirit. So it's not as though we're like, oh, I don't think I could do this task, it's too hard. No, the Lord sends us out with his living Spirit, with his living Word, and says, go speak. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but that's the call. I love the, the resilience of the two little hobbits as they make their way to Mordor. There's a quote that I love um, from, from Tolkien. He says, one tiny hobbit against all the evil the world could muster. A sane being would have given up, but Samwise burned with a magnificent madness. A glowing obsession to surmount every obstacle, to find Frodo, to destroy the ring, to cleanse Middle Earth of its festering malignancy. He knew he would try again. Fail, perhaps, try once more, a thousand, thousand times if need be, but he would not give up the quest. 
This is what I think we see in the witnesses. They, they are just out there continuing on the path God has for them again and again with the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word. Second, the path of every Christian, death. You're just like, man, this is getting, it's getting better and better. Uh, all right, verse seven. This is gonna be encouraging, I promise, but you guys stick with me. Verse seven, and when they finish their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them. And you're thinking, okay, and then they're gonna win. And they're gonna beat that beast. No, and conquer them and kill them. And it goes on to talk about the, the, their bodies lying in the street and the world you know, against Christ rejoicing. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, well, I'm really hoping you're gonna say that's at the end of history too, right? Like, that's gonna, you know, not gonna happen to me. Well, it could be that in the end, the church will have a moment where it seems decisively defeated only to rise again, or this could simply be an ongoing pattern throughout world history. But the point is the same. The path of every faithful witness is in opposition to the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and often they will seem to win. Now, the primary application here is the world's opposition, but there is a sense I want us to get that following Jesus in every area of life will be a kind of death. Following Christ involves suffering, sometimes suffering through a fallen world, suffering through persecution, suffering through opposition, suffering through denying our own desires for the sake of Christ. But hear the word of the Lord today. Verse, uh, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Peter, who took up his cross and followed Jesus, tells us this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad at his glory. Or Paul the Apostle on the road of Christ says this, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel, for the power of God. Now look, here's what we have to remember the path. Christ's example is that he suffered for us. You remember that reference there? Their bodies will lie out in the street in the same city symbolically, the same city of worldly opposition as their Lord did. Meaning this, the road that the witnesses walk has already been walked by Christ. And in fact, there's a real sense in which he walked the road into suffering and death much further than a, they will ever walk. In the midst of encouraging those suffering in 1 Peter, um, the apostle Peter talks about various kinds of suffering, but then he, he, he inserts this phrase, Christ also suffered once for sins that he might bring us to God, meaning this, suffering is never meaningless for the Christian. Suffering, in fact, is the means by which God advances his plan for the redemption of many. It, it is a beautiful and glorious 
thing. Look, and if you don't know Jesus, this is probably a strange message, but, but I think you're seeing the gospel as it really is. The, the gospel offer is this. Anyone from anywhere at any time who's done anything can call on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Maybe you've heard that call, but, but accompanied with that call is Jesus saying, if anyone would come after me, take up your cross and follow me. All you must do to be brought to God is trust in what Christ has done in suffering once for sins that he might bring you to God. But you have to also see the road of following Jesus. Like, I'm not gonna tell you the road of following Jesus is gonna be a bunch of unicorns and rainbows and just care bears singing songs. The road of following Jesus is Jesus' road. But as you'll see, it is glorious. Now, I just wanna, I wanna, point out something here very briefly. I wish I could, we could say much more about this. I'm working with a biblical counselor, and one of the things my biblical counselor has been talking about is I've had a number of issues in my life of, that involve suffering over the last two years, uh, some physical, you know, other, other things as well. And he, made, he said this the other day, and I've, I just, it's stuck in my mind, and it's this, that the gospel means that for the Christian suffering is turned into glory. Meaning this, that if what Jesus did, if him suffering is the means by which he saved us and brought us to a future and a hope, that's the path we walk. And no bit of suffering is meaningless or pointless. Look, if you are in a difficult spot in your marriage fighting to love your spouse, hear the call of Christ. Sometimes we're like, man, hey, I would be happy to be martyred for the Christian faith. You know, send me to the Middle East or a closed country. I'll do it where I gotta be strong for an hour, but rebuilding your marriage is gonna take months or years. You're like, oh, I... It's too hard. It's too much death. Brothers and sisters, let me, let me encourage you. Follow the path of Christ. Maybe you're struggling with a, with a child and, and they're wayward and, and it's difficult to have hope that God will ever do anything and you, there's a daily kind of suffering that comes with that. Take comfort. You're not on the wrong road. Through that, Jesus can work powerfully and gloriously. Maybe you, you, you're struggling with chronic pain or depression or something that dogs you, that, that your victory of the day, I was talking to somebody in the first service and they just said, my victory for the day when I was fighting depression was getting out of bed. Like there's a sense in which that is true suffering and when we do it with the help of Christ, it is glorious. Now, we can't end there. That is not the end. I wanna show you the end of every Christian. The path of every Christian is witness. I mean, the, path, the, the task of every Christian is witness. The path of every Christian is death. And the end of every Christian is glory. Verse 11, but after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them and they stood upon their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Yeah, I bet. When you kill somebody, leave their body in the street for a while, it is alarming to have them get up. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. Oh, church, the end of the Christian path is not in despair, but glory. The end of the Christian path is not loss, but gain. The end of the Christian path is not darkness, but light. The end of the Christian path is not suffering, but glory. 
right? And notice the time stamps, right? These time stamps are symbolic, but they witness for a long time, suffer for a short time, and live forever with Christ. Like, get, get the times right, because it may feel like those three and a half days of dying to yourself are endless. They are not. They will be a snap in all of eternity. Look, this, this, this is what I believe the Lord meant to fix in the eyes of the church in Revelation 2 and 3. Those seven churches uh, is experiencing more and more opposition, wondering what will happen to us. Some of them have even been killed. What will we do? Jesus wants them to see your task. Your task is simple. Stay faithful. Witness. I will protect you. I will give you the power. You will die. But then you will live forever. Look, this, this, is, this is summed up in a beautiful scene from Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, where in the midst of a very difficult time on the road, we read this. There, peeping among the clouds above a dark mountain high up in the sky, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while, and the beauty of it smote his heart. As he looked up out of the forsaken land, hope returned to him. Christian, I believe there's some of you that the Lord is, he intends this morning for hope to enter your soul again. Continues, for like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and a high beauty forever beyond its reach. Look, this is what Revelation is meant to do. We're to look ahead to that bright, shining moment when the Lord rumbles across the earth, come up here. And in that moment, we go from death to life. Look, we don't, we don't fully get this. They're drawing on the imagery of Ezekiel chapter 37, where, where Ezekiel, he sees a valley of dry bones, and it's like, it's, it's hopeless. That is the state of God's people. They are dead. Their bones are dried up and scorched. And God tells him, speak to the bones. And he does, and they rise, and this is what the Lord says. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I've spoken and I will do it. Look, the picture in their mind is Ezekiel 37 as their bodies are reformed and they stand up. Church, this, this is the glorious pattern set by the Lamb of God himself. Remember Revelation 5 where, where it says this, weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. 
You see the contrast of conquering? The beast conquers them and goes, ha ha, we got them. They're dead. That's it. Game over. But the beast does not know that the lamb's conquering is eternal. And, the, and, and, and look at the, the contrast between the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered and you expect to see a lion, but verse six says, between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Meaning this, for Christ, the conquering is in the slaying. The slaying is the path to his ultimate conquering and the same is true for the Christian. We may die daily, but in that death, as those thousand tiny deaths a day as we die to ourselves and live for him, we conquer. And the Lord holds out for us the hope of what happens when we conquer again and again in Revelation 2 and 3. I hope you're seeing this in your community group. To Ephesus, to him who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To Sardis, the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I will never blot out his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father. To Laodicea, the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Do you see the pattern, church? The gospel turns suffering into glory because it is in our dying, in our suffering, that we conquer just as Christ did. So this is the effect I wanted to have today in the church. Church, rise and conquer. But our conquering is not the conquering of the world. It's not a marshalling of armies. It is a husband and wife crying and praying yet again that the Lord would reconcile them. It is a guy struggling with drug addiction and, and, and praying and seeking help and dying every day to that desire. It is the person who is single, who so longs to be with someone and every Christmas dreads the, the question, why haven't you found someone getting up and saying to themselves again and again and again, Christ is sufficient. When the world says, you're stunted, better at least be with somebody for the night and the Christian says, no. Look, this is the conquering of the church in a thousand ways, in a thousand places. That's why I respect the church so much. And this is how the gospel advances. Look, years ago, there was some, I'll end with this. There was somebody that was asking me, what's the secret of your church growth? You know, it was a pastor to pastor with me. I didn't know him well, but I was just describing, you know, we had, we'd gone from probably a couple hundred people to over 400 people in just a few years. And he's like, man, what, what's your secret? And I knew what he was asking for. He was asking, like, what was your evangelism plan? What did you guys do? Or did you, you know, did you brighten up the auditorium? Or are the chairs more comfortable? What, what is it? Do you start quoting cool people in your sermons? Like, no, I quote Johnny Cash and Tolkien. And so that's <laughs> definitely not it. Is it the drawings? It's definitely not the drawings. So, <laughs> but I can tell what he was after. It's funny, the Lord brought something to mind. Because we, we, we did several things. We, people were faithful in different areas. But what I felt, I felt the Lord put on my heart to tell him, was you know how we went from an inwardly focused church to a more outwardly focused church? I mean, we're still in process. You know how we went from inward to outward? Two guys in our church got cancer. One of our worship leaders named Danny and one of our leaders named Todd. And through that, as they walked through it, Todd would wear a Pick Jesus shirt with a guitar pick because he went to MD Anderson, which is the cheesiest evangelism I can imagine. 
but tons of people asked him about the shirt. So it was obviously effective. The Lord rebuked me. And, the, and he had so many conversations. And he had a mailing list that he was giving updates to of people that don't know Jesus. And he's just clearly preaching about the hope of Jesus. And Danny going to his office again and again. I remember the, Danny's last day, John Vogan was there and we, just leading worship around him. And people were coming and hearing about Jesus just the way they had through his whole trial. And I truly believe, church, in those years, something changed inside of us. Not because we painted the auditorium. Not because our flyers to the neighborhood were better. Because two guys who looked death in the eye said, Christ is enough. Jesus is my life. And conquered. And conquered. So this is my heart for our church, that, that we not lose the pattern. And, and let me just encourage you. If you're a Christian, probably one of those three parts that we talked about today is hard for you. Maybe you just feel downcast. You see the hard road of witness. You see the death. You don't see the end. Oh, could I just encourage you? Look, look to the bright star. Look to Christ. Look to the day the voice says, come up here, and every tear will be wiped away. Maybe what you don't see is the faithfulness here on earth. Maybe you're just a Christian. You're just trying to bide your time and you know, hang tight until, well, it's gonna be hard, but then we'll go to heaven. There's no witness. Maybe what today Jesus is calling you to do is, is say witness. Speak about Jesus. Or maybe some of you, you, you like, okay, we've got Christian life, we've got heaven. I don't like the thing in the middle. Is there, a, is there like a route around the death part? And this is where so many churches in America are at. We, we've, they've tried to find a route around the death part. Churches are like, oh, we don't talk about sin or death or hell or any of that stuff. It brings people down. We want to be an upbeat church. The suffering is where the glory is. So let me end with this. John 12, 24 says this. Truly, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. In Sam and Frodo's last steps toward Mount Doom, they're talking about the great stories and wondering if they'll ever be in a great story. And so Sam starts talking about maybe people will be in a great story someday. Nobody really wants to be in a great story because they're really hard. People just like to hear about the great stories. But we are in a great story. And so maybe someday people will talk about us, even though it seems hopeless. And Frodo says, why Sam? To hear you somehow makes me as merry as if the story were already written. And Christian, for us, the story is already written. It ends in glory. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Pastor Ricky will continue teaching through this series in Revelation next time. We hope you'll join us then. If you're wanting to hear more messages from this series, go to betternewsradio.com and click on the radio tab. 
You'll also find access to the podcast there as well. What are some of the takeaways from Revelation that you've heard so far? How do you think it all applies to the here and now of today? Although Revelation was written centuries ago, it's still referring to things that are yet to come in the future. This should give you a hope for the God who comes to save. For those who don't have a relationship with God, the book of Revelation should put an urgency in your heart that this world and those who reject God are going to be judged. But there's so much life for you to have by believing and accepting Jesus as your Savior. Our hope is that these messages are drawing you closer to the one that saves. When you're at our website, we encourage you to check out Pastor Ricky's book under the book tab. It addresses some of the hard questions that you might be wrestling with as you live in a world that's kind of messed up. There's a reason and a purpose for everything that God does, and maybe this book will give you some valuable insights into the heart of God. Once again, go to betternewsradio.com to find that link to download. While our time with you for today is up, we do trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. Make sure you join us again for the next edition in Revelation with Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.